rock and roll, all you crazy people. It's episode eight of Cosmic Dragon, and I'm Sean Grigsby. Today is all about KB Wagers and her books. She is a badass, which you'll hear. She flips tires, she runs tough mutters and half marathons through fire and ice. And she writes awesome space operas. But before we jump into that, I do want to let you know, since you're so awesome for listening to this in the first place, that my book, my debut novel, Smoke Eaters, is releasing from Angry Robot Books in March. For y'all in the UK, it's coming out March 1st. If you want an ebook, it's coming out March 1st. But if you are the awesome type of people who love the smell of paperback books like me, March 6th is your day, US and Canada. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Sean Grigsby. That's S E A N G R I G S B Y. I always have to throw that second G in because people always forget it and they say Grisby. It's not Grisby, it's Grigsby. But enough about that. You can also come and visit me at my website, which is www.seangrigsby.com. Now, let's jump into the interview with the awesome KB Wagers. I was just worried you'd be like, no, it's Waggers, actually, you know. Oh, no, yeah, that's what everybody thinks it's supposed to be. And Really? <laughs> really? Yeah, frequently, oddly enough. That's so weird. All right, well, we're here with KB Wagers, uh, author and apparently extraordinary badass, uh, who's finished, what, three Tough Mudders? Has, have you topped that number now? No, I have not. That three was kind of the, was the highlight, and then I... I burned out. I I ran like six races or something in a year. It wasn't all tough mudders, obviously. There was a couple of Spartans and some smaller mud races in there. And then, yeah, kind of crashed and burned. Thankfully, not like in the way that you can crash and burn in a mud race. But like right. I never actually hurt myself beyond the assorted trophies of bumps and bruises. But yeah, I just burned out and stopped. Stop doing do it anymore. Well, hey, that's way more than I've ever done. I, di- I did one <laughs> warrior dash, and that was good. I was set. I was like, yeah, I jumped over some fire. I'm I'm cool. I'm good. You're like, this is awesome. Yeah, and two of them were here in Colorado, which they, I have heard. I don't, I can't really verify it, but they say they're actually more difficult because, I mean, the very first one involved running up a black diamond slope. Oh wow. And yeah, and then we got to the top, and you had to climb several what like 10 12 foot walls and wait so was this covered in snow uh not at the time because it was in like july or something i think um but they did run us through the river several times and it was freezing it was actually colder than the what do they call it the arctic enema (laughs) where it's which is basically a great big box full of ice water yeah um yeah so there were several um the obstacle itself a lot of times was the mountain but and then i ran one in phoenix which was fantastic the whole time i was like this is great i don't have to climb anything except for the walls which (laughs) were fine but everything's flat no it's all flat (laughs) and i ran with a friend of mine who's like six three or six four and and so it it looked kind of like a great dane and a chihuahua running together because i'm not i'm like five four so i'm a full foot taller than or shorter than he is and yeah so i was running like as fast as i could and he was just kind of loping along next to me he was he he was very uh accommodating (laughs) (laughs) what are those like 12 miles half half marathon basically 
Yeah, basically, they vary. Um, I think the first one we ran was like 10. Um, and then the second that we ran was 12, which was awesome. In some ways was awesome because we realized that our timing had improved a whole lot between one year and the next. Um, but at the same time, we realized like we got to the 10 mile mark and we were like, wait a minute, what the shit? Why are we not done yet? Like We would like to be finished now and you're not, which is the worst feeling in the world when you're, especially those last, like, I don't know, last mile, two miles of a run of any kind, I think, are about the worst possible situation. So we've basically established that you are a badass. And uh, <laughs> speaking of badasses, uh, your, your, your main character in your books is Hale Bristol, uh, and she herself is a badass to do... You know, people ask this, and some authors are like, "No, I did not base the character on me at all." But did you did you draw from yourself a little bit for Hale? Um, you know, she is she is the badass that I wish I were. <laughs> that, that that's probably the best description there. Um, we I, I like to say that that Hale and I um, really only share two things, um, and that's the claustrophobia and the fear of drowning. Um, Everything else, I, okay, maybe the mouth would probably be appropriate too. Like, <laughs> I am, I am nearly as sarcastic and probably curse as much as as Hale does. Well, the cursing you do fine uh, going through Fire Academy, but the claustrophobia that that might be a problem. They, yeah, they make not- us go through like tight, dark spaces where you can't, you can barely move. Yeah, that was one of my biggest worries about Tough Mudder was having to go through like tunnels into water. And yeah, I'm not, I am not a fan of that. <laughs> well, I mean, most people aren't. And I don't, yeah. I can't think of anybody who'd, who'd like to get drowned. But uh, speaking of your books, the f- first that came out was Behind the Throne. Can you just uh, talk a little bit about? your journey to getting that published uh you know was that your first novel that you'd written um did you get an agent before or after what, what was the process like i um just one of my uh good friends likes to say that i take the long road for just about everything and writing was apparently no exception um no behind the throne was the i think 13th novel that i had written um, and the probably fourth or fifth one, I start to lose track now, um, one that I had shopped out. I, um, I did get an agent. I'm repped by Andy Zach of the Zach company. Um, I queried him with the original draft of behind the throne. I think in starting like 2010, um, is when I was querying it out and, he asked for a partial, asked for a full, rejected the whole thing, <laughs> um, which had been pretty typical up to that point for me. Um, but a very nice rejection that involved an edit letter and a, hey, if you feel like doing these changes, come back and see me. Um, so I ripped it apart and started over. Um, there are five people in the world who have read the original version. And and it is almost nothing like uh, the version that got published. So that's some of the characters stayed the same. Everything else changed. 
So, and then we were on sub for 18 months with it. I mean, we did, we did two more edits, um, before we put it out on sub. And then we were on sub for about 18 months. Um, and then we got picked up in what I call the great orbit, like increase (laughs) of 2015, or I think it was late 2014. They decided to expand their science fiction fantasy line yeah and um and so we got an offer yeah april i think of 2015 um and then kind of went from there and we had i mean we there was a pretty brutal publishing slash writing schedule for that because i had not i mean the first one was done you know i wrote it in three months i took six years to (laughs) to edit it um and then I wrote After the Crown in three months, and we edited it in two or three. I don't even remember now, because it came out in December. So Behind the Throne came out in August of 2016, and then After the Crown came out in um, December of 2016. And then Behind the Throne came out a full year later. So Okay. And you've got a new trilogy that you just sold. Uh, fairly recently that's coming out in the the fall of 2018, the first book anyway, which is called There Before the Chaos. Correct. So that, um, yeah, so that is the, what what we're calling the Fairy and War trilogy. Um, It's in the same same universe. You'll see a lot of the same characters. Um, We're basically upping the stakes, upping the um, scope, you're going to see a lot more of the Empire. You're going to see a lot more of the galaxy. Now, that's a question I, I wonder about uh, from other authors uh, because I'm I'm the way I approach writing. You know, I might have a world that I know. Yeah, I could write a few more books in this, but uh, ultimately, I like creating new worlds and new characters and com- things that are completely different. Um, w- was that something that that you chose to do yourself, or was Orbit like, hey, you know what, this is awesome? Do you think you can write some more books in this world? Um, it, you know, it was a little bit of both. I think we, I, as far as the contract for the first trilogy, I had an option with Orbit, so I needed to float them a new idea. Um, and at that point, you kind of make the choice: like, am I gonna keep writing stuff in this world? You know, and you and I talked with my editor, and I talked with my agent, and um, yeah, ultimately came to the decision that you know, we could do another um, three books in this particular world. And then, yeah, ideally, I'd like to move on and do something else at this point. I mean, I know readers get really attached to characters. And I'm not a big fan of long running series, which is kind of why these are broken up into two separate trilogies, because the idea is somebody could pick up the fairy and Warren and start reading. yeah. Yeah, I mean, you'll get spoiled with stuff that happened in the previous one, but you won't be so lost that you can't figure out what's going on. Okay. Now, how many years total from your first novel until Behind the Throne got picked up? How many years did that take? I don't remember when I wrote my first novel. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, As far as you can remember. 33 years? What are we looking at here? Um... Technically, I I always count the first one that I finished and that I started querying out is was ninety nine. Um, wow! So 
we're at almost 30. Is that right? Am I doing my math right? From 99? Is that 20? Or is that 20? No, yeah, I, it is 20. Because yeah. I'm 32 and I was born in 95. Okay. And- okay. I was like, wait a minute. I can never. Once we... Once you split into that new, <laughs> I don't know. I can't do math. It's eighteen, yeah, 18, 18 years though. That's wow. That's a long time. Yeah, that's so. that's severe persistence, um, which is is a biggie for me. I talk about this on the podcast all the time. Is that it's it's all about persistence. It's all about continuing on. Um, yeah, because a lot of people give up or they're crazy. And that's- yeah, and you really can't. I mean, that's the if I had given up, there, you know, the and the, you're talking about. I I used to query. I sound super old now, but I used to query when you sent in a stamped self-addressed envelope, you yeah. know, and <laughs> and you checked the mail every day, and when you got one of those back, you did that whole <gasps> like, is it a rejection? Is it blah blah blah? And it, it, yeah, there's you can't stop. And that's, I had a number of close calls. I had, there's so many runs of luck. Like you, obviously you have to be able to write and you have to know the, the craft, I guess, in the idea that, you know, there's, there's no specific way to write a novel, obviously. And there's no, people get hung up a lot of times, I think on, on how to actually, how do you craft a good novel? How do you, how do you craft a good query? All that stuff. And and it's not to say that it's not important, but so much of this is luck. So much of this is, you know, you, I had a, I had a, a really fun science fiction novel that made it all the way to an editor, to an agent that got rejected because it was too much like something else that they had in their wheelhouse already, yeah. um, you know, and that was f- more than five years before I got picked up by Andy. Um, and so you, you know, you shelve it and you go on to work on the next thing. And that's, that's all you can do. Really. You can try and make what it is you're working on better, but sometimes you're better off just putting it aside, starting something new, finishing it, polishing it up and seeing what happens. Because the market changes so much too. Oh yeah, and that—that's a big uh, area of contention among you know a lot of people. Is that well, you shouldn't write to the market, and I agree, but you should kind of be aware of it. <laughs> you know, um, I, I saw that I was kind of diddling when I first started in in uh, fantasy and urban fantasy. My first novel, I didn't even know what the hell it was. I, th- I thought it was a horror, and then it was a urban fantasy, and. Anyway, I'm not even going to talk about that. But um, I saw that science fiction was really like coming back, and I've I've always loved science fiction. And I got this idea, and I started that, and it just it it fit with me, and I fit with it. Um, and I, and I thank that to kind of watching the market and saying, hey, you know, I think science fiction is really going to be big. Maybe I should give this a shot. And uh, that's that's what you did. I mean, have you always written science fiction, or have you dabbled in other genres as well? Um, probably about, I'd say 70% of what I've written is, is science fiction. I mean, yeah, the very first book that I wrote, um, in 99 was this God awful, like, I mean, I started it when I was in high school. So (laughs) you can imagine like that is a, that is a full on trunk novel. Like that will never see the light of day because it's, it's just awful. Like alien invasion. There were like, I mean, and and there are a lot of characters in Behind the Throne, um, but there were more in this one. So it was like a cast of epic proportions. Wow. 
you know, but yeah, you, so, and then I wrote, um, uh, I wrote a fantasy novel. Um, I wrote two urban fantasy novels. Um, I wrote, yeah, another science fiction novel, um, which is closer to the end. And that's one of the ones, everything else will probably get trunked except for maybe the fantasy novel, which I think I can save. Uh, but the, the other science fiction novel is still, I like to call it Battlestar Galactica meets Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's a lot of fun. And I figure now with Guardians of the Galaxy and stuff being so big that it might actually go somewhere. I think at the time that I was shopping it out, it was a little too weird. I like weird, though. I think yeah. we need more, I, more weird sci-fi, damn it. <laughs> That's that's my position, you know. When you, or talking raccoons and trees. Yes, or you know whatever. <laughs> talking <laughs> alien chocolate chip cookies. What I, I'll take it. I'll read it. I love that kind of stuff. You know when you when someone writes a space opera, it's almost inevitable that someone's going to compare the book to Star Wars, and many people have compared your work to being Star Wars ish. Is that something that? you kind of knew going in or were you kind of surprised when someone said that and you're like, Oh, well, okay. I can kind of see that. I was completely shocked. It was, yeah, it was not even on my radar. Not to say that star Wars wasn't on my radar. Cause I do love star Wars, but, um, it, it came out of somebody in the, I think the buzz started in the orbit marketing department as far as that goes. Um, and then some of the reviewers picked up on it too. And, but it wasn't anything that I did deliberately. Um, and I still remember early on, somebody commented on it and said that Hale was their favorite protagonist next to Honor Harrington, um, which made me cry. <laughs> because, yeah, if I were going to credit anything in terms of inspiration, it would have it would be the, the Honor verse from David Weber's stuff. Because I love those books. Well, up until about book 10, I think. Yeah. And... I, I mean, you could kind of compare Hale to Han Solo, in a way. Kind of. It was a kind yeah. of a Han Solo-Princess Leia combo, you know, with the royalty right. and the gun smuggler thing. Yeah. I think if we saw more of her previous life, it would it would stick more. Um, but, yeah. Now, you, you mentioned marketing. And this is something I'm very curious about, and I know listeners would be interested to hear uh, your perspective and, and what you uh, did for um, Behind the Throne, but all, your, all of your books. But what was the marketing um, strategy? What did you do to get the word out on your book? Because I can tell you, I'm weird. I, I look stuff up like, hey, what's coming out this year? And I know not many people do that. Um, and that's how I found out about Behind the Throne was I was just looking and saying, oh, hey, this this book's coming out. Let me, let me check it out. Um, what, what did you guys do uh, as far as getting people to know that your book exists. I I am so lucky because the folks at Orbit rock and they, they did so, so much um, to promote the book and to put it out there, which for, like, let's be honest, it's not like I sold at auction and I'm this huge star and everybody knows about the book and knew that it was coming out ahead of time and stuff. But the, the folks at Orbit really know their stuff and they really did a good job kind of getting it in the right hands of the right reviewers and, and talking about it. And I think they did a, 
a run at um, San Diego Comic-Con where they gave the book away um, to folks on one of their promos. I don't even remember what it was. Um, but uh, for my part, like, to be honest, I, I work a full-time day job. Like, I work about 45 hours a week on average. Um, and I was writing the second book <laughs> while we were doing promo for this. Yeah. So I, I didn't do a whole lot um, on my end. Like, I, I tried to increase my Twitter presence. I tried to um, do a little bit more stuff in that arena. But that's almost everything got handled by the team at Orbit. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, Orbit's totally awesome. Uh, I mean, obviously, I'm biased, and I, Angry Robot is awesome, and I, I love Angry Robot. But my second on the list would definitely be Orbit. Were you, were you, what, what, were you happy when you heard about Orbit picking you up? I mean, that's, that had to be a dream come true. It, it was. Um, it's, it's still kind of surreal, and it's, it's funny because without getting into too much personal um, stuff here, that like that news and the following kind of months after it were simultaneously like some of the best days of my life and some of the worst days of my life. <laughs> yeah, so, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> you you get a very strange grounding when you have kind of personal tragedies happen at the same time as really like basically the culmination of everything that you've ever wanted in your professional life, you know, when it happens at the same time as your home life falling apart yeah, is it, you really are kind of, in in some ways it was great because I, I didn't have any like release day jitters. They didn't have any of that stuff because I was so focused on everything else that was going on. Um, and so on that hand, it made it super easy. But it is one of those things where sometimes I look back and I'm like, man, I wish I could have just been like, ah, this is great. Well, and we didn't, we got the offer in April. And then due to contract negotiations, we actually didn't announce until October. Oh, my God. So I sat on this news for, what is that? That's like six months. Almost six months, Yeah. I sat on this news for six months. And let me tell you, when you have news like that, the universe likes to decide to tell everybody that you know that they should check in with you as to how your writing is going. Yeah. And you <laughs> can't say anything. You can't. And for, like, for two years before that, nobody in my life, not, that's not true. I mean, people, I'm, I'm blessed to have a lot of really supportive folks in my circle. And... But for a long time, people knew that I was querying and that I hadn't sold anything and that nothing was happening. And then, yeah, like for those six months, I practically everybody I knew was like, how's your writing going? Have you gotten any, you know, is there any news? Have, they, have you gotten any offers? What's Andy's, you know, has Andy said anything? <laughs> and I'd be like, no, we're just, you know, I'm just working, just rolling through it. So it was, yeah. <laughs> It was very, it was a very strange six months. Oh. <laughs> and, then, and then in October, we got to announce finally, and, and it was a huge deal. So, and it was, it was very nice. Like I said, I have a very supportive circle of people around me, and everybody was very, very excited. I just want to let people out there listening know who, who if they have not experienced this, it's the worst period of time having this awesome thing that you can't tell anybody about. It's horrible. 
Especially yeah. for like an attention hog like me. Like I want everybody, everybody to know about it. And oh my, it's horrible. Get used to it though, because yeah. it never ends. Like this is publishing is one of those industries where you where you sit on really awesome news for you know, what feels like an eternity yeah. until you can actually talk about it. Yeah. Um, the announcement yeah. and then the cover reveal and then yeah, there's always going to be something. There's, Might as yeah, well get used awesome. to it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so have you met any other Orbit authors or who, who's your favorite people to hang out with or, or that you've met uh, after you've you've gotten published? Like as far as in person yeah. or even, I, you know what? I have not, um, I don't, uh, like I said, I work a day job. I don't, um, I don't go to a lot of cons. I don't do a lot of traveling. Um, so I, I have not met a whole ton of other writers. Most of them I've met online. Um, so although I do have, or I did have the the opportunity for two years in a row now to go to Sirens Conference, which is a women's conference that they hold. Um, this year it was in Vail, or last year, I guess it was in Vail. Um, and I had met Cass Morris the year before, um, and we really hit it off, and then we shared a room this year. Um, and she has a new book coming out um, April of next year. Which is called? She's gonna kill me because now I I'm like I forgot what 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 the name of it is. Uh, From Unseen Fire. There we go. So she has a she has a new book coming out, um, and it's it is her debut book, uh, From Unseen Fire. So we have we have really hit it off, and she is a she is a lovely person, and I'm really lucky to be able to call her a friend. And then I met a number of other writers at that conference. It's not strictly a writers conference. It's um, they deal with a lot of women's issues and they talk about a lot of marginalized groups and they talk about writing, um, you know, characters that are not what everybody seems to think is the default this, these days, you know, straight white men. Um, so that's really been a benefit. Um, and, and then other than that, like I'm, I meet a lot of people online. Um, I, I really enjoy talking to Mike Brooks online, um, on Twitter and there's several other people whose names escape me and I can't even think of it right now. <laughs> but, I love the writing community. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone. And it is, it is a new thing for me because again, like I grew up, you know, right on the cusp of the internet and all that stuff that I random aside, like traveled to England my senior year of college to meet people that I had met on the internet. My family was appalled. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think convinced that I was going to die, but you know, so I I was right on the edge of that whole situation. So when I wrote, when I was writing early on, I didn't have community like, like they do now. And it's really amazing. And it's really interesting to see the differences I think that come from, from being able to have the access to those to pe- other people and have answers to your questions so readily. Yeah, I don't know how people did it before the internet. I would have gone bananas. I would have lost my mind. I would have become one of those crazy old writer dudes like Hunter S. Thompson doing drugs <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> There's nobody here to talk to. I might as well drink yeah. this booze. 
um, well, that's that's awesome. Um, now, before we go, because we're going to wrap up this interview, uh, you've got more awesome books to write. But uh, just could you briefly Hollywood elevator pitch uh, describe your uh, both your trilogies for our listeners so they know what to look for when they go to the bookstore? Oh, sure. Um, so the Andronan War trilogy, which contains Behind the Throne, After the Crown, and Beyond the Empire, is a story about a woman who ran away from home and became a gun runner and is forced to return home when a deadly plot is revealed against her family and she becomes the only person able to rule the empire. The Farian War takes Hale from the empire that she has just won out of the hands of the traitors and the man who killed her whole family. And she now is faced with the task of negotiating a peace between two warring alien races neither of whom are capable of telling the truth and neither of whom actually want peace to happen. Holy shit. So she's like the intergalactic uh, Palestinian-Israel uh, peace negotiator. There, a little, there is a little bit of that. Yeah. It's, there is a, yeah. And she ends up in a lot of trouble. I can imagine. Yeah, that sounds awesome, and, and not uh, just because she's shooting chandeliers out of the ceiling during negotiations, but <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean that helps. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's the icing on the cake. That's fantastic. Now, all three books in the first trilogy are out now, and the first one in the Fairy and War trilogy comes out uh, sometime in the fall of 2018. Yes, awesome. Now, before we go, what is something, as far as writing advice, career, art, craft, whatever, the something that you wish you knew or something that you've always wanted other people to know? Don't let anybody tell you what to write. That I have always written what I wanted to write. Um, and maybe it resulted in me having to take the long way around to being published, but it means that I get to write the books that I love. And sometimes taking the long road is totally worth it. Also known as don't be a sellout. <laughs> All well, right. hey, you know, sell out if, if you have a if you have a mortgage to pay, <laughs> sell the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you if you have no other options, sellout's fine. But yeah, definitely write what you want. KB Wagers, everybody. We thank you so much for coming on Cosmic Dragon. Check her books out. 